Hello and welcome to episode 371 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we are here with the exact same game to discuss as the previous week, me and the rest of the uh, retro division of the Shinsen Gumi. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's introduce ourselves, starting with Jonathan Logan. Hello, everyone. And Nick Mandrasina. Hi, everyone. And Gio Castillo. Hi. Gio, Nick, Jono. Um, we're here to discuss uh, the second half, maybe overall themes, and uh, just how we feel about Like a Dragon Ishin, um, the game that was originally a 2014 release on PS3 and PS4 in Japan only, which got a worldwide remake ar- around a month ago in February of 2023. Uh, I finished the game, oh boy, uh, uh, around 24 hours ago or so. Uh, I... Um, I, I really was compelled to finish this one because, uh, spoiler alert, I liked it a whole lot. Um, and I also felt like it didn't really waste my time. Like, like when you sort of get to the story stuff, they hit dramatic moment after dramatic moment after you, which which was somewhat appreciated because sometimes the uh, a Like a Dragon game will spin its wheels a little bit. But uh, before we get into the discussion of the game proper, uh, I, I want the three of you to do the same. What was your overall experience playing this game and sort of your overall feelings about it uh, after, you know, playing it for a few weeks. Uh, Starting with you, Nick. Um, So I think the story went so hard, uh, and I was actually a little surprised by that. Um, It felt like a... I kind of went into it thinking... I I mean, knowing about all of the praise that it got, um, but going into it thinking, oh, it was just like... It was just going to be a pretty good you know, Yakuza game, which I don't necessarily 100% play for the story. Um, however, uh, Ishin's story was just incredible. Uh, and, uh, I'll, like in the second half, a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, cutscenes, I was just kind of, <laughs> I just like my eyes were glued to the screen. I couldn't look away. Um, especially the very ending. Uh, it, uh, like you said, it didn't, uh, it didn't really overstay its welcome. Um, and uh, overall, just uh, really enjoyed the game. Yeah, I, I uh, um, got to a pretty high completion rate of some of the content. Like I got to, I think, 67 out of 72 sub stories done. And I uh, and I made a very nice end game katana. And sort of when I finished those things, I just mainlined the story. And each chapter at that point was only was maybe 30 minutes. But it, so it, it was. It did not feel overlong in the way that even though I love them, Yakuza 7 and Yakuza 5 can be a little bit, uh, can feel a little too long at at times. Like they were just, they were just really um, giving you like huge story, uh, like uh, story moments. And, and, and again, I thought it was rather expertly paced. Uh, Gio, same question to you. Uh, What were your overall impressions uh, after playing a bunch of uh, like a dragon Ishin. Yeah, um, actually, my impression isn't fully formed because I actually haven't finished the game. Fortunately, life got in the way, and I'm still in the process of playing it. But I have seen uh, like a cutscene compilation of basically the whole game, and it makes for a great movie. Let me tell you, like it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I I feel the same as Nick. Like I just couldn't look away. It was so watchable. Like. Um, I remember Jono said, like he in his review, like it felt like a it would be like a best picture nominee. I feel like I feel that way. This is the the strength of the performances and just the, the incredible story that they told. Like it's 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 you know it's obviously like kind of um, 
an anime fight version of history, but it's it's so effective. It's so beautiful. And um, of course, the, the gameplay. I mean, I've, I've played enough of the game that I know that this is like a really good playing Yakuza. Like it's one of, uh, it, it kind of feels closer to pre-Dragon Engine. And um, it. Uh, I feel like this is the, kind of the, my, the most fun I've had with the combat, like with the Wild Dancer, um, uh, the Wild Dancer mode and the gunman mode like it just it feels good to play like i i look forward to doing every random battle and uh and of course i feel like some of it has some of the best mini games i've played like chicken racing and uh uh, i feel like uh it has some of the best karaoke songs except for like that one song the last song yeah yeah that 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 last one I, i normally do pretty well at yakuza karaoke i i i get you know between 94 and 100 the, depending on the song and how well i know it but the last one i think the, I, I only attempted it once and i got like an 81 or something which is like oh it's like oh geez this one's this one's like deliberately for the challenge hounds that love rhythm games yeah uh, uh but uh you know and, and nick mentioned this too um this game's story is really good and but and its reputation preceded it a little bit for years and years. This was uh, oh, this is the like a dragon game that might be one of the best ones, and the story is amazing, but uh, it's never going to get a worldwide release. And then we got the worldwide release, and now we're seeing why it had that reputation. Now, uh, uh, Jono, you played this game well before Nick Gio or I were able to because uh, we got a pre-release copy, and you reviewed it for RPGFan.com. Um, so, uh, I mean, did you do a, a replay or refresh yourself a little bit for this podcast? Uh, and, uh, and yes or no to that. Um, what, what were your sort of overall feelings after finishing the game? Yeah, I did a bit of a refresh. I have to admit when Gio mentioned the, uh, the Oscar best pitcher thing, my brain was like, I said that. No, I did say that. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the game. I mean, it, it holds up. I rarely play Yakuza games again, um, because they are massive things and there's always another one on the way um that will offer you the same thing usually but you know more refined or slightly different flavor uh so coming back to it yeah i i was enjoying it the same as i did before it's uh it's really solid uh fantastic story excellent characters that we know but some of them take different uh have different story beats and things like that which i really really liked uh i have to admit that when i was playing it the first time right up until mm, I'd say three quarters of the way through, I was like, you know what, for a Yakuza game, this is a pretty conventional story. You know, there's not a whole lot of twists. It's a pretty straightforward tale of revenge. And then everyone started to get dual identities. Everyone. (laughs) Uh, There was, everyone was taking on different identities again. And I was like, oh yeah, here we go. We're going to talk about that. Don't worry about that. I I had thought ahead a little bit and, 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 uh, and, there's one character that takes on a third identity, in fact. Yes, and uh, that was like, okay, here, here we go. This is the, this is the craziness I expect from a Yakuza or a Like a Dragon plot. But all, uh, all together, yeah, fantastic game, excellent entry in the Like a Dragon franchise. Really, really glad that it got released here. It seems to have been received extremely well by pretty much everybody, both on this podcast and in the the wider internet. So, it would be real nice if this was the uh, starting point to get some more. Uh, some more remakes of other Yakuza games. I'm not sure if that is like, uh, if, if that's a desire to see Yakuza 3's combat fixed or to get Kenzan in the West or to, 
or or maybe something about Dead Souls, but I I, I generally agree. This was Kenzon, a, yeah. Oh, okay. This was a successful remake that got that, and even though some people have gripes that it's maybe not quite as good or hits the exact same notes as the original 2014 version. I mean, that, that that's uh, something that, you know, that, that's a challenge that any um, big video game remake faces, especially one that makes several changes like this one does. But but I'm glad that this story got into people's hands and uh, people can experience this game. Because I, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I think I mentioned that I have a very positive feeling about this game. If I had to rank every Like a Dragon game that I've played, I think this one is probably top five. Like, uh, I, I, again, it would be a, a big thought exercise as to where it would land in there. But this is one of the really great ones. And I think that you, um, a new player could make this their first Like a Dragon game or someone that's played every single one of them could go to this one and they would enjoy it just as much, but in different ways because the, a new player doesn't have the same relationship with uh, with all of the Yakuza characters that um, that have performances in this game. But yeah, this is one of the really great ones. But you mentioned new identities, and that is something we we touched on a little bit in the previous episode because we know that um, that uh, Ryo uh, Ryoma Sakamoto, who's again portrayed by uh, uh, Kiryu, um, takes on the identity of Saito Hajime and becomes a captain in the Shinsengumi because of his great swordplay. And Saito Hajime was a real person in 1860s Japan that did become a uh, a captain in the Shinsengumi. But and and uh, but uh, in the true history, <laughs> he was not Ryo Masakamoto in disguise. <laughs> but uh, but then uh, to the best of our knowledge, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, this is um, we're really getting into some. Uh, well, also to the best of our knowledge. Uh, well, all right, I'm going to back it up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> around the midpoint of the game, <laughs> we know that there is a second person named Ryo Masakamoto who's going around Japan and in getting involved in the politics of the Bakumatsu period. Uh, the and and. And uh, and um, and he at one point he meets with Saigo, the leader of the Satsuma domain, and uh, and uh, and our Ryoma, the real Ryoma, is ordered to um, uh, to like to speak to Saigo about and and about the new Ryoma uh, Sakamoto, with the you know, but we we the players know that uh, that Saito is the real Ryoma, and uh, and and so that goes that goes basically icy, even though. Um, Saigo and uh, Ryoma met earlier in the game in, the, in that uh, memorable bathhouse scene, <laughs> and, and Saigo is, is Goda, the final boss of Yakuza Two. But um, it, 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 basically, at, at this point, Ryoma is a bit of a political pawn because Kondo, the leader of the Shinsengumi, is trying to use the Shinsengumi's power and influence to affect what the Shogun and the Emperor are doing. But but he but he he's realized very quickly that Ryoma slash Saito is an extremely powerful piece and not just a pawn because he's a, a seemingly undefeatable uh, swordsman with boundless charisma because that 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 is uh, that's what we know Kiryu to be he's a an unbeatable fighter who uh, who is somehow makes people feel better about themselves after he punches them in the face but uh, <laughs> this is gonna get more confusing but for a while. Uh, Kiryu's, or I should, I should say the main thrust of the game is Saito trying to find out who the other Ryoma Sakamoto is. And, uh, and in, in the true history, I'm going to say in the true history a lot to make it clear, uh, (laughs) that I'm talking about historical facts here. The true, in the true history, Ryoma Sakamoto did get picked up by the Shogun's Japanese Navy and became an officer there and used his influence within the Japanese Navy to travel to the different domains 
and try and uh, and eventually negotiated a uh, truce between the Satsuma and Choshu. I think I think in the previous episode I, I couldn't remember the name Choshu, so I might have said Chubu or or Fubu, like for us, by us, or something. I, I apologize <laughs> for that. But uh, in, in in the true history, um, Yuma Sakamoto um, th- through a position within the Bakufu was able to. Um, negotiate peace between Satsuma and Choshu. Satsuma was more interested in power and had more Western connections. Choshu was more interested in reform, but it was still a very powerful domain. And uh, and both of them united and gathered up a couple smaller, uh, uh, I, I guess, domains around them, including Tosa. And uh, and in the Oshin War, at the end of the Bakumatsu, ended up defeating the Shogun's forces and creating uh, the new Imperial Japan. Uh, but in this game, the... Uh, the fake Ryoma Sakamoto is doing the Japanese Navy traveling activity. Well, but but the real reason that Satsuma and Choshu were able to ally was because Saito slash the real Ryoma got Saigo and Kogoro, t- uh, two of the leaders of each of those domains, extremely drunk one night, <laughs> which is exactly the kind of historical fiction I wanted out of this game. It's like, oh, no, it wasn't careful diplomacy and, and espionage. They just got really, really drunk in Kyo. And uh, and they got and they put aside their differences for the greater good. <laughs> I loved this moment, not just because it was hilarious, because it was very hilarious, but it was one of the first moments where I was like, okay, this clearly isn't Kiryu. Like similar in many, many ways, but like going out and getting hammered and being like, next bar, next bar, like that's not really who Kiryu is. So I was like, okay, this is clearly, you know being played by Kiryu, but it's not Kiryu. It was a nice character moment, which actually differentiated the two characters for me. Yeah, Kiryu would have been yeah. one of the other guys, like, going, ugh. Fine. Yeah, I'll keep yeah, going. Kiryu, yeah, Ryomi in this case was, like, one of the people who, like, drags Kiryu out to do things, like, as a sub-story. Yeah, precisely. It was a lot of a lot of fun watching him goad the other ones to just keep going bar to bar and them just looking at each other like, ugh, I can't believe we have to do this. It also, this, this scene, this section also had my favorite, um, one of my favorite moments in the game, which was a classic. It it was easy to see, but it was the moment where the, uh, again, with the abused puppy, there are a lot of abused dogs in this game. Oh my God. So many, but when uh, there's the abused puppy and uh, the abused puppy is rescued and then the big tough guy is like, who's a little baby is like playing with the puppy. I was like, that's that's hilarious. Legitimately scary moment, though. I think it's a callback to Yakuza 1 or or maybe Kiwami 1 because doesn't Kiryu... Um, save a puppy from being attacked by catching a a rock um, mid throw. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so I, I, so. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought this was a callback to that, but with Goda slash Saigo being the puppy defender instead of instead of Kiryu. But um, but th- that was still a nice moment. It, it humanized Saigo a little bit because he's portrayed to be um a very masculine and somewhat violent, but but clearly has a a, uh, a a softer side to him here, while Kogoro, who's portrayed by Akiyama from uh, from mostly Yakuza Four, but multiple Yakuza games, uh, is is a bit more of a a bit more of a schemer, um, a, a bit more less interested in power and more interested in ideology, which, which again uh, portrays this is how the game portrays Satsuma and Choshu respect respectively, but I. Uh, and then and uh, and uh, uh, Saito ends up in a drunken fist fight um, with both of them at the same time, which was a uh, uh, slightly uncomfortable for me because I had not leveled up Brawler very much at all. <laughs> um, and I had to struggle my way through that fight a little bit and pick up a lot of boards from off of the ground to win. But the whole chapter of forging the 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 the, the Satsucho alliance uh, with um, 
like like by going on a drunken bar crawl together i I thought was a signature part of the game and like most like most history changing uh alliances this one began with a uh a bare ass brawl in a sauna yep which is one of my favorite in batshit insane yakuza like a dragon moments i've ever seen in these games just like strategically placed steam hiding the hiding the the bits as they have an all-out brawl that was amazing I th- and I think people were a little bit upset because they added more steam to this version. <laughs> so, so th- this this is a, a steamier fight, but it, 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 you know, not in the way people wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah, I wanted more hugging and kissing. And, and you know, this game had a little bit more romance than usual for uh, for a like a dragon game because they do give you a a genuine love interest for the for the main for the Kiryu main character, which is uncommon. I mean, I mean, it, it happened very. Very obviously in Yakuza 2, but um, usually... And let's not forget about the edging minigame. Oh, boy. Yeah, but... <laughs> I, I think I did use that exact phrase last, you did. last yeah. week. Oh, boy. <laughs> but um, the... Uh, Oreo is a, is a... is a And it's Oreo, not, not, not like the cookie. <laughs> but um, I think Oreo is a, uh, is a pretty compelling character in this one because we, we learned later on that she was originally... Um, spying on saito but over the course of spying on on him uh falls in love with him and in the end just uh it like does spy work for you a little bit and really and just and only wants you to be happy which is and maybe it's because i already like uh yeah i, I already like the character yuki a lot but like seeing uh kiryu and yuki have a adorable relationship play out i really i really liked that and uh, this game doesn't have as much dating stuff as a lot of uh other games because Kiryu favors disposable relationships with hostesses most of the time. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I like that storyline uh, as well, but, but, but the story in this game just hits so hard and mm-hmm. even the quieter story moments seem powerful. Can I, because all of you have played it much, uh, much closer than I, uh, sooner than I have. Um, I remember there was a moment in this game, which as a Yakuza zero fan, I just loved that Soji and, uh, Oreo had a moment or like he made a comment about it and it was, it was a, it was an Easter egg and I can't remember what it was. Oh, so, okay. Soji, who was the Majima character, member of the Shinsengumi. Yeah. And you, and, and Oreo. So maybe referencing, uh, uh, Majima and Yuki. Um, it was, uh, I can't, I can't remember what it was. Together maybe, in Yakuza Zero. maybe it was, uh, was he insulting her age or something like that? I don't know, but it was a moment where I was like, ha ha ha. Oh shoot. Fun. I don't remember. Maybe, but maybe, maybe that does happen. I mean, also, Soji did have a uh, nice moment with, um, oh, why am I blanking on her name? The the uh, owner of the inn. Oh, yeah. I forget her name, too. But um, I mean, she, she's played by by Romy Park, who was, uh, 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 I guess, um, Mirei Park from Yakuza 5, who's Majima's ex-wife. And they never um, get a scene together. Yeah, they, they don't get a scene together. I, I forget her name, but um, they, ref, they refer to her as Okami a couple times. But that usually is, that's just a respectful term for a... A, a female um proprietor of an establishment mm. but i'm not uh oh shoot i forget her name but uh yeah it's it's this game has so many character. names yeah, yeah. there are yeah. so many names to remember i'm gonna definitely gonna mix a couple up and i apologize in advance but uh yeah, we're t- going back into new identities again um when uh uh when saito i i uh well, well all right atosi Otose, that's it. Otose, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Otose, who's sometimes called Okami because that's just a respectful term for her. But but um, the reason that Saito was so depressed before that uh, that that whole drunk chapter is because he learned that his oath brother, Takuchi Hanpeta, has uh, passed away because 
he was sent uh, to he, he was basically sent straight to the daimyo um, after after going back to Toza and was ordered to commit suicide. Um, so that sends Saito into, into a depression, which leads to the Satcho Alliance. But the uh, around the same time, he's looking for to meet Kondo, the leader of the Shinsengumi that stayed hidden the whole time. Uh, and when he finally does, uh, he fights Kondo, and Kondo uh, reveals that uh, he that he was not the masked man that killed um, uh, that killed Saito's uh, uh, father figure, but he know but he knows who did. And then it's also revealed that both Soji. And, uh, and 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 again, we're um, what we're we're watching the uh, that conversation take place. And uh, and I, I know that um, Kondo was played by an actor by a television actor um, in the original version. So it's not a previous uh, Yakuza character, but is played by uh, the but is uh, played by Adachi from Yakuza 7 in, uh, in in this version of the game, which I loved. I, I mean, I thought I thought he did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, he did a great job. But Kondo is here is quietly one of the real behind the scenes manipulators of this game. Um, and, and I'm not sure, and I'm not sure how true to history that is, but uh, yeah, a, a lot of the events of this game are big are, and, and especially sort of the, uh, the, the final outcomes are because of Kondo's decisions and uh, uh, it, it right sort of right after this happens or very soon after um, Gen is found to be murdered. He's played by Kashiwagi. Um, he's found, he's found murdered and uh, the, and the murder was found to be the new Ryoma Sakamoto. So uh, Saito slash the real Ryoma knows that um, that the the fake Ryoma uh, is the like um, is the person that arranged this. And um, and then I think Kondo tells uh, Saito. I'm not sure if it's before or after this that uh, that Gen was the masked man that killed uh, that, that killed your your mentor. But that sends Shoji into a rage because he believes that uh saito who's the real ryoma is the one that killed gen so that that leads to a um a sort of a long sequence where you're you're trying to you're looking around kyo for the killer but that also leads you into a trap set set by soji because soji um uh, admired gen so much and was and was and uh, gen was his uh was his his sword his uh his sensei roughly essentially um, and that leads to sort of the second to last fight between Soji and, and, uh, and Saito. You ended up fighting Majima slash Soji at least three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's, his sword plays very wild, uh, uh, very, um, nonlinear in, as you would expect of Majima. But after that, after you fight, uh, after you defeat him without, without killing Soji, then you get the name reveal that Gen, Soji, and Shinpachi were also living under false names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just which is just bonkers because in the true history there was a uh a a um a sort of uh a, a power struggle within the shinsengumi where kamos serizawa uh wanted to take the the group into an into a new direction and um and multiple people within the shinsengumi killed kamos serizawa and a few of his followers and and i, th- I think i think in the true history, Kondo uh, didn't kill kill them, but but was sort of behind was sort of the the opposing faction's leader. But in in this game, um, uh, it was the real Soji, the real Shinpachi, and the real Gen that attempted to kill uh, uh, Serizawa and the and uh, two of his pupils. But um, Serizawa and the and and, and uh, the others killed them in self defense. So Kondo uh, and ultimately decided, you know. Um, 
you you were I mean normally killing a number of members of the Shinsengumi means you'd have to be executed, but we also don't want to lose good swordsmen, and we don't want uh, the news that Soji, one of our best swordsmen, uh, passed uh, 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 lost in the duel. So we're going to have you guys just take their identities. And so that made all of the comments earlier about people mentioning to Soji slash Majima, oh, uh, I thought you were supposed to be a handsome a handsome man. Why, well, like, who's this uggo? Like, like, into, like, come into new context. Like, oh, he... The, the original uh, uh, Soji was portrayed by Oda from Yakuza Zero, who is a handsome guy. So, yeah, there's a whatever. But basically, the, the masked man was Gen the whole time, who's uh, who's again the Kashiwagi character. Uh, but you never get to take your revenge um, because he's killed by the fake Ryoma, and Gen and Shinpachi and Soji were not who they seemed. So it's I'm I'm over explaining a, a little bit, and I'm sorry, but. Yeah, everyone has a false identity in this game, and it is bananas. Oh, and if you just wait, 20 years later, probably Gen will show up as the uh, proprietor of a singing bar somewhere. <laughs> that is a Yakuza 7 uh, reference. That is not a major spoiler uh, for the uninitiated. But um, I, I, please let someone else talk uh, for a few minutes. Uh, what did we think of all of the changing identities and misdirection in this part of the story? And uh, again, I don't know the Bakumatsu period's um, very specific history and politics that well so maybe this this wasn't this didn't feel as dramatic to me as maybe it did to, to someone that knows it better like this is the an equivalent to this is like oh um nathaniel hell hale and uh and benedict arnold actually switched identities before the battle of saratoga so uh the real benedict arnold died in saratoga and it was nathaniel hale that betrayed uh, the uh, uh george washington in the american revolution like like it, i it, knew it it's it's, <laughs> it's it's that level of silliness we're dealing here here but um with all these changing identities what were your feelings on this part of the story i found it surprisingly plausible or like uh yeah. i i bought it more than i bought some of the other versions of this twist in other yakuza games i don't know why i think it's it might be the the setting the historical setting and kind of just made sense um kondo's justification for it so i didn't mind it at all the photography is a new technology so it's very very probable that almost everyone just doesn't know what these people look like yeah I love the reaction of the characters when they saw the photograph and they were like what is this magic <laughs> <laughs> It just, it, like, <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't, like, give up a bad identity back then. You know what I mean? Like, it, you do something real terrible and you're like, well, mm, I'm just going to go to a new town and say I'm somebody else. You know, like, it, sh it should be that easy, right? So, like, being able to just kind of take on a different identity seems extremely plausible. I agree with Geo. It, it didn't seem weird to me simply because maybe it was because of the context of the plot and the way it was being presented as historical uh, reality, even though it's wildly fictional. Um, but it seemed plausible in the moment, very plausible in the moment. It's like everything. This is the plot of this game is it's pretty tight. There's a, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of loose ends left in the end of this. I was very impressed with the writing of this game. And that's yeah. more than I can say about a lot of Yakuza games. I love Yakuza, but like some of the plots are whoo. Yeah. Well, all of the plots are convoluted. It really just depends game to game how much you accept it. <laughs> but uh, uh, like Gio said, I, I thought that, um, I mean, the changing identity stuff is a little bit uh, wild in Ishin, but I basically accepted it um, because this was a different time and, uh, and, and it made for a lot of interesting story drama. 
all, all I mean, the game almost begins with you being a new person in chapter two, and then it, it even ends with another character changing identity at, uh, in the final cutscenes, which is hilarious, actually. Two of them. Oh, you're talking about? Are you talking about? Um, uh, I, I guess Saito and and Han Peta. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't. Do we know the name that the new name that Ryoma takes on at the end? Oh, not Ryoma. No. Uh, oh, oh, oh it, it's Kogoro and Han Peta. It's Kogoro. Yeah, y- Kogoro yeah, or, takes on the identity of like I don't know some like the Minister of Finance or something like that. Yeah. No, I, I think that was a. Um, I'm not sure that 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 might be just a real name that Katsura Kogoro changed to. I'm. Uh, I, I I don't remember that. I don't remember the name exactly. But uh, um, that's skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, like. And then um, shortly after this, uh, basically Soji becomes uh, very close to uh, to Saito, and he's almost like your 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 sidekick slash buddy for the rest of the game. Um, and and uh, but but the, the flashback with with Gen killing the real uh, Soji and others, I, I thought was a, an absolutely crucial story moment because it, it like it, for the first time I think Saito feels less like an outsider and really part of this like part of this group. Nobody's who they say they are. <laughs> I fit right in. Yeah, like it's like well, all of us are kind of uh, faking our identities, and uh, now now we're and now um, the very uh, legitimate suspicions that Shinpachi had about Ryoma um, are a little bit explained, and 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 like again, like Shinpachi and uh, and 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 Soji are are sort of your your sidekicks now, uh, at, at least in the second half of the game, uh, more Soji than Shinpachi. But uh, uh, after this, the, the the major part of the quest is still to figure out who the fake Ryoma Sakamoto is. And uh, there's an assassination attempt um, uh, at, at, at the Tarada Inn on him, um, w- which you take part in. He, he gets away because or because or of Oreo's interference, but uh, because, uh, again, Oreo was spying for him, and, but, and eventually um, Saito forgives her. As I understand it, that was based on historical fact, this one. Correct, yes. There was an assassination attempt on uh, the real Ryoma Sakamoto at the Tarada Inn, and then the and then uh, a little bit later, um, uh, Ryoma Sakamoto was killed at a different inn, uh, which is the the one. I, it starts with an O. I forget which one it is in this game. It's like the uh, it's like the Omiya or something. Um, but uh, and uh, but then that's another situation in the, in the game and not the true history. Um, they fake Ryoma's death at that at that second inn. But in this first inn. Um, uh, while uh, the fake Ryoma is escaping, um, Saito notices the scar on his back, which immediately makes him suspect that it's his uh, that it's his former brother uh, uh, Han Peta. And Han, but but Han Peta, there was news of, of Han Peta's suicide earlier in the game. So uh, as the story continues, uh, I, I I think this is the part where Saito and Soji go to deliver um, Kondo's letter to the Shogun. In in uh in Tokyo or I guess it's called Edo at this in in this part of of world history, um there's a big dungeon where you go through uh where you, where you go through a palace in Tokyo, um the 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 letter contains reforms that would in, initially be enacted in real life in the early stages of the Japanese Empire after the uh uh, uh after the um the Shogun lost the war at the end of the Bakumatsu period and um but in <laughs> Uh, but it also uh, adds the uh, historical fiction contest that Sakamoto added a line to the list of demands himself that uh, that um, uh, uh, people of, of 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 any class and creed could uh, could um, could rise th- in in power through their own merit. But basically, uh, w- w- which is you know uh, most of the other stuff in the list of demands were political in nature. 
um, that uh, that Kondo wrote in the letter to uh, to save Japan from a larger conflict that would that would end in, in them destroying themselves. But uh, the the change that uh, that Saito makes is reflective both of the progressive nature of the uh, of the Meiji Meiji Restoration reforms at the, at least at the beginning before they became an imperialist uh, power, and also uh, sort of references refer, uh, excuse me refer, references the first chapter of the game where the class system is so out of whack in Tosa that a samurai Goshi can just murder someone in the street that crosses their path. So like so um, Ryoma has a lot of interest in um, eliminating the uh, oppressive class system and uh, and and makes that sort of a national makes that statement at a national political level in uh, the in the chapter where he goes to the to the shogunate. So what do we think of this? Um, I, I actually didn't recognize that uh, that the shogun was played by, um, by by Daigo until looking at looking it up later because the, the, the hair was just too different. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what do we think of of Ryoma Sakamoto going to the Shogun, beating him up, handing him a letter, and leaving? <laughs> I mean, it's on brand for like a dragon. <laughs> I don't think it probably went down like that in reality, but hey, I can't complain with result. I can't argue with results. Yeah, it was like it was almost expected that that that's what would happen. I think the funniest moment in that for me was. Um, they're trying to figure out how to get into the castle and there's like a massive amount of guys and Ryoma's like, Hmm, what am I going to do? Uh, how am I going to get into this place? This is a big problem. And then in the most Majima moment I've seen in a long time, Soji just points a cannon at the front door and fires it. I pissed myself laughing. I was like, okay, here we go. This is, this is on brand for Majima. Yeah. That's a, uh, um, gives this, uh, uh, the same vibe as Majima driving a truck through Shangri-La. In- yep in uh in yakuza one yeah he he loves just driving large destructive things through front doors actually an easier way to say that would be he loves to make an entrance Majima's is very results oriented yes <laughs> um i i thought this entire section was pretty fun there was a lot of it wasn't just beat up beat up beat up there were a lot of very uh very gameplay types and things um a lot of options to deal with uh enemies uh there were like weird trap door things where you need to pick the right uh, the right door to get through uh it was super fun and uh i don't know to watch i know it's not kiryu to watch kiryu spanked it it was again on brand that's kind of what he does yeah i mean this is also the closest thing the game has to a dungeon-ass dungeon uh there are some sequences where you're going through a building that that are dungeon-like but this is this one felt like an rpg dungeon And, and also i thought the final boss at the end was above average difficulty for this game mostly because he uh uh the shogun has an elemental fire sword that can <laughs> that, that can like have your howardy catch on fire and, and stun you a little bit um although but by this point in the game i had i had uh, some pretty good equipment and i think i died like 10 times in the in in chapter two and three just because i i i so i struggled against one or two early bosses but then by the time i had my poison katana leveled up none of the uh, other encounters in the game were challenging on, on normal difficulty you really really enjoyed the uh blacksmithing system in this oh game. i really did uh i i did i did so much crafting in this game and then so much chicken racing to afford the crafting and then so much dungeon running to get the materials i needed for some specific crafting but I, that's but the by, real gameplay loop here yeah um I, at the end of the game i only had i think it was only my gauntlets and katana fully forged 
Um, but then uh, after you beat the game, they give you 200 Rio straight up, and I use that to finish the rest of my equipment <laughs> before before putting the game away. Actually, I really like that, that this is not a game that just gives you anything. You actually need to work for stuff in this game, especially yeah. like upgrades and things, which I like. It's not just rewarding you uh, for your usual gameplay. You really need to put some time in to get the good stuff. I mean, I also did a lot of crafting in, in uh, Yakuza 7 slash Like a Dragon, but uh, I think it's important in this game because I, I I really feel like I would have struggled at different points if I didn't have a good sword. Mm-hmm. And I I had like from chapter five or so I made the I made Sujin uh, Sujin's demise, and then a couple chapters later I upgraded it to Murasame. And it was when I first started on that katana path is when I uh, it was when the the game's difficulty became far far uh, like way way lower. Yeah, I really enjoyed the I really enjoyed the blacksmithing blacksmithing system, but they did. Uh, they simplified it a lot in this version, as I understand it. Yeah, apparently it was even it was harder to make money, and uh, you had a lower success rate for even basic uh, uh, basic processes in the in the 2014 version of this game. Yeah, there was also it was a mini game too. It's like it's another button press timing mini game, whereas they just eliminated that completely, which I think is a smart move. I think Thank the game God. has enough of those. Yeah. I think the game has enough of those kind of moments and things like that. So the, that the upgrade system was entirely based on what you have rather than your ability to push a button on time. I didn't mind that at all. Yeah, I wish I could have mass produced the cooking mini game instead of having to like oh, do, do time. Yeah, do yeah. the chopping timing every single time. I just wanted to make some more pickles. Pickles are very useful in this game. A lot of Pick- pickles. I, I made a lot of pickles and a lot of vegetable miso soup were the, were the two that I, I just kept making over and over. I, I would say that the best, the most useful cooked food in this game is pickles. Well, cooked food. And the most useful raw food in this game is daikon radishes. I yes. had so many, I had so many daikon in my inventory and I just kept using them all the time. Whenever someone was like, I need food. I'd be like, have a daikon radish. Yeah. A, a lot of cucumbers, daikon and oh boy, I can't remember but yeah, I, I made mostly low and mid-level vegetables in my farm. Uh, so I, I had dozens of them at all times. So that, uh, uh, yeah, th- that hungry sumo wrestler ate a lot of cucumbers and daikon. <laughs> yeah, that's the fuel you need to get to the top. Cucumber. And the vegetable-loving boy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the vegetable-loving boy. I love that of, side story. <laughs> spe- speaking of those two side stories, and, and I guess others, before we go into the end game, uh, do we have a favorite um, segment of this game, whether it's a sub-story or a specific duel or a specific character that, uh, that, that left an impression on you? God, uh, you know, what stands out to me is um, uh, Heisuke Todo massacring that guy who ran away from the Shinsengumi. And, like, the That's blood right. spattering on the- yeah. Mizuki. I found that Akimoto so... and uh, Akimoto and uh, Mizuki. Yeah. Yeah. I just found yeah. that so so um layered. <laughs> like it said a lot about Heisuke and about the Shinsengumi. It was very effective. Yeah, I think we mentioned that a little bit in the previous episode, but that that was a uh, Ryoma's sort of welcome to the Shinsengumi moment, and uh and 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 I think colors how uh how vicious they are as a group how brutal this time is in general, because the Shinsengumi weren't the only brutal samurai group in, uh, in, in Japan at this time. I mean, we, we saw just how the, the, the Tosa Goshi were acting in chapter one, but, uh, but like killing that person in cold blood and Toto's reaction basically being, Oh man, now I have to clean some blood out of my nice clothes. Like that was, that was a powerful moment. I agree. The, the moment that stood out to me the most was, was, um, Ryoma's, uh, speech at the, at the very end of the game. Um, so we'll we'll touch on that later, I guess. Yeah. Can I go a slightly different route and say something that I didn't much care for? Yeah, go for it, of course. Yeah, I um I mean this is getting into a little bit of politics and betrayal of, of uh 
queer characters in Yakuza, which I know is many people's favorite topic in the world. But I did have a minor problem with the portrayal of, uh, of um, oh crap, what's the character's name? Um, the uh, the guy, he oh, he's one of the Shinsengumi uh leaders he's uh he ambushes uh hannah at the uh at the bar oh um uh he's played by awano awano yeah um uh it, it, it's takeda yeah takeda. Yeah, it's takeda yeah he uh it wasn't the most positive portrayal of the only queer character in this game uh let's put it that way i felt like his uh oh, his, is homo- it, is it his homosexuality or suggested homosexuality was uh, portrayed in a in a very gross kind of like what is wrong with you sort of way which i suppose is it might... suggested that he's in love with ito i think it's suggested that he wants to fuck I, i'm not i'm not sure i picked up on that but um but, but by, by this is fairly late in the game and i, and I was getting a little bleary-eyed trying to finish it <laughs> i might be wrong about that but it was just there was some yeah it's implied that he is it's implied that he's gay and uh that was i mean i guess it was ryoma's disgust about him was not based on his sexuality but the, the moment there in the bar maybe go oh that's that's pretty that's a pretty gross way to handle that um i didn't love it yeah the like i think um he was holding the barmaid and threatening her and then he like licked the back of her neck and uh and then after letting go of her he suggested that he liked it better when it when it was toto and not her because he because he uh he um inflicted the wound on toto heisuke that eventually killed him um but uh and it's and it's impl- and uh, uh, shortly this is right after there's a big divide within the shinsengumi where um H- hijikata names saito as the new leader after kondo's death but I- ito who was uh uh who had been scheming to be the leader of the shinsengumi like since chapter three or something um basically leaves with the rest of his faction and and most of the troopers his faction being uh himself takeda and uh and and toto but then a little bit after that, um, Hiji, uh, Toto comes back and reveals that he had been Hijikata and Kondo's spy uh, in the Ito faction since the beginning. Um, and, and I think some other members that passed away <laughs> during the course of the game, uh, l- l- like Tani and Suzuki, and, uh, and, and maybe, also, uh, Iza- uh, uh, maybe also Harada, who, who's played by Aizawa. Uh, I, th- I think they were also part of the Ito faction, but they just, because they're sort of minor um shinsen gumi goons they kept they keep dying during missions <laughs> oh this is interesting apparently takata's uh historical counterpart actually was gay oh all right so this, oh. that was probably intentional on their part but yeah making the game's one gay character a sadistic predator is not a good look very on brand though right exactly that's what i mean it's it's another example of yakuza and like a dragon really swings wildly between uh being very open-minded and being very um tolerant and then some of the betrayals are just really gross yeah because Kiryu is supposed to be the kind of an empathetic guy you know i mean like that's kind of one of the things that makes him so lovable is that he's very accepting and he tries to like get people to see the good in themselves and uh the good in the world and stuff like that um and so whenever that that happens um and it and it happens frequently <laughs> um <laughs> yes uh it's really disappointing uh, another uh, series that does a really bad job of that is the Persona series, um, and it always bothers me when when you see uh, examples like that. I didn't pick up on this one, but now that you're talking about it, uh, I feel really dumb not having picked up. On yeah, it. I, I I didn't pick up on it either, but I think I, I definitely picked up that Takeda was a creep, 
but yeah, for fact, sure. Yeah, but uh, but the fact that they that he was gay and the only confirmed or or at least the the only presumed LGBT character in this game is a, a horrible creep is 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 very unfortunate. But again, like like the Like a Dragon series is so progressive in its attitudes most of the time that when there's a weird moment of homophobia or transphobia or sexism. It, it feels really gross. And, and, uh, and I, I mean, I mean the, 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 like a dragon series has plenty of weaknesses. A, a, a lot of them are those moments of homophobia, transphobia, and sexism. I think the game is uh, the, the game. The whole series is not great at writing female characters in general. Um, in, in fact, I think Oreo stand, stands out as one of the better female characters in the entire larger series. You're right. Uh, she is. I mean, and that also is portrayal and it's nice that the, f- it's nice that both her and uh oh, cripes, the innkeeper, both of them uh Atose. Atose lived and both like had active roles in the plot and active roles in resolving everything. I liked that a lot. In fact, it's interesting that the samurai spin-off set uh 150 years in the past was probably the most progressive uh portrayal of women in the series thus far. Yeah, and I mentioned my, my favorite sub story character from the first step of the previous episode was Yai-san. And I think I think hers is still my favorite sub story uh, uh, chain in the entire game. She uh, the, the, the Miss Tatsu character. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, this game has does a better job of writing women than most of the rest of the uh, Like a Dragon series. Yeah, uh, to echo uh, Jano's uh, comments, uh, it was really nice that the the women the primary women in the game uh were important to the plot um i just i don't feel like we get that enough uh especially in like a dragon series i like that they were also important to the plot and they also felt their portrayals felt i know the game isn't historically accurate but it felt period accurate like they did feel like women of the time but progressive women of the time if that makes sense yeah yeah they were entrepreneurial they were running it in i i think that was i mean this is unfortunate to say but i think that's one of the few kinds of businesses that a woman could have or one of the few positions of power a woman could have was being a proprietor of a successful establishment like an inn um at at, at, at the time but but i i agree oreo otose and uh uh miss tatsu and, and miss tatsu and um there's a couple others there, there there is the lady that uh that uh Takeda was threatening um who was basically a spy running a bar like like um the, the, and and oh and, and there's a pretty good version of Haruka in this game too. She doesn't end up in a coma, so that puts her one up over the actual one. Yeah, no kidding. But the uh yeah the women in this game I thought were pretty well written, especially but also clearing the low bar set by the rest of the series. I mean, hopefully we continue down this this path in the future, and we uh, we end up with better uh, female characters both in uh, Yakuza. Eight, or like a dragon eight and hopefully a man who erased his name because i mean we have the hostess minigame and there's a lot of potential in there for expanding the female characters yeah geez uh, how much of the oh my god like 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 other it, like i mean if you set aside makoto and kaoru most of the female character writing in yakuza zero and kwami 2 are in the hostess side quest yeah and i think i think the only female villain in the entire series is in the yakuza zero hostess side quest also, let's see here. Um, in terms of character ages, I think she was 19 in 1989, so she'd be... I mean, Yuki, Yuki would be 60 years old by a man who erased his name. Uh, it would be interesting to see if Yuki shows up again. 
God, I would love that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I would but, love that if she's 60 and she still looks identical to when she was uh, 19 years old. That would just be really funny to me. That's also one thing that this that Ishin like instills in the player. If you've played a bunch of the Yakuza games, as all four of us have, it's just great seeing these people again. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 and again, um, uh, I, I think I mentioned him in the previous episode. I really, really like Mine as a villain in Yakuza 3. Um, I, I think I talked about that in the uh, in the Like a Dragon music episode we did for Rhythm a, a little while ago. Yeah, and, he's an exceptional villain. Yeah, I, I, I love Mine as a villain, and I just I just loved him being in a game again. And even though he was a he he seems like a sort of a cold administrator type, um, and you think that maybe you'll be he, maybe he he'll be a, a an antagonist later, but sort of ends up being your supporter. And you, and your and your duel with him is a friendly duel and not a and not a clash of ideals. We're going to kill each other duel. Um, I, I I just loved that. Like I, it was great seeing one game guys like Mine and Goda uh, and, uh, and 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 even Zhao and um, and Adachi. Like see like and and, and oh my god, my um, the three uh, Yakuza Zero lieutenants, Ku, uh, Kuze, uh, Kuze Iwano and. Uh, uh, Han Peta's character was why can't I think of, why can't I think of his name uh, Sawashiro. Sawashiro yeah 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 and Sawashiro like seeing all these one game guys that I love from their respective games back and interacting was so exciting to me yeah it was kind of like a Yakuza reunion Ex- uh, precisely and uh, uh, let's go into the story again a little bit uh, in uh, towards the end um uh, Ryoma suspects that the fake Ryoma is Han Peta but sort of refuses to believe it um when he returns from the Shogun. Uh, Kyo is ablaze, and he thought that maybe it was Kondo enacting one of his earlier suggested plans, uh, but it, but it wasn't. It was uh, the plan was from uh, was from Ito and the fake Ryoma. Uh, you end up killing Harada during this sequence. He's the uh, the uh, uh, Gumi captain that's portrayed by by Aizawa from Yakuza Five, uh, and and you you manage to get the fire under control, and you defeat um, o- o- Okada Izo, uh, who was a uh, uh, um, Han Peta's right-hand man, who uh, who in in real life uh, it was a, uh, a a very well-known samurai duelist and assassin during this period. Uh, so so you kill Izo, and, uh, and 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 like in denial, Saito accuses Izo of being the fake Ryoma's uh, Sakamoto because he just refuses to believe it could possibly be Han Peta. But I- but Izo like basically with his dying words tells him, "No, you know who you you know who the fake Ryoma is." And uh, shortly after this, you go on a mission to assassinate uh, Ryoma Sakamoto at a, at the at a new inn. I think it's called the Omiya, but I, I forget. Uh, and uh, and and again, this is um, calling back the opening cutscene of this game, where uh, where you're going to kill Ryoma Sakamoto with the knowledge that you are the real Ryoma Sakamoto. Um, and and in this mission, uh, it, it is revealed that your uh, your oath brother Hanpeta is the imposter. But he also reveals that he's been cooperating, uh, c- collaborating with the Ito faction that split from the Shinsengumi and the Mimawari Gumi, which was a, a police force in Kyoto that was meant to compete with and possibly replace the Shinsengumi. The leader of that is, oh, is, is what's his name? He, is, uh, he's played by Watase from Yakuza 5, uh, but the guy's name is uh, Sasaki. That's it. Yeah, so like, so like, so basically Hanpeta, like even though the, the fake Ryoma Sakamoto has had his face obscured in cutscenes over and over up to this point, uh, it's revealed that it's indeed Hanpeta. He's backed by Ito and Sasaki as sort of his new allies. Now that, uh, now that Izo's dead, dead. And when he goes into the light, 
uh, he his his facial hair is white. There's dark circles under his eyes, and it's extremely clear that um, that he has been doing a, a lot of shady stuff behind the scenes uh, to to uh, to enact his means in uh, in the storyline of this game. But he's suffered for it, and it, it he is he is burning the candle at both ends doing it. But it, it, in doing so, ha, uh, w- arranged the death of uh, of his and Ryoma's mentor has committed multiple murders. Uh, might be uh, betraying Japan to the British, uh, and is is basically been unforgiving. Uh, is it, well, no, excuse me, has has committed unforgivable acts, perhaps. And Ryoma sort of demands why, uh, but instead of giving him any real answers, he says, "I'll be waiting for you in Tosa," and walks away with with uh, Ito and Sasaki, setting up the final chapter of the game. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the what this um, not final reveal, but late game reveal of Hanpeta as the primary antagonist and the fake Ryoma Sakamoto was really powerful. And this is one thing that I think might be not as good uh, in the in the 2023 remake versus the 2014 remake. And I'm sorry if I mentioned this in the previous episode, but because uh, all of us have played Yakuza 0, when we saw that Sawashiro was this main character, Hanpeta, that probably immediately... Uh, gave us an impression of Hanpeta because Sawashiro is a surprise villain and a sort of a and sort of a traitor character or a behind the scenes manipulator character in Yakuza Zero. So seeing this friendly character played by Sawashiro makes Yakuza Zero players extremely suspicious immediately. And in the 2014 version of this game, um, uh, Hanpeta was played not by a former Yakuza actor but by a a, a, a um, by, by a new um, a new likeness. And and I've heard that the that that performance is very very good and one of the strengths of that game. So having a good performance replaced by Sawashiro, who does not give a bad performance, but because we probably have a a preconceived notion of what Sawashiro is, I think I, I think that makes Hanpeta less successful of a character, maybe. But I haven't played the original 2014 version, so I can't say that with certainty. Um, do, do you understand where I'm coming from, guys? I totally understand where you're coming from. It's the classic. There are a lot of characters, new char- like characters played by uh, old characters in this game, and it subverts their roles and it puts them in slightly different roles, and they have to act slightly differently. And in a lot of those cases, that's a surprise, which is something I love about this game. Is you don't you don't know who you can trust and who you can't trust in this game, even though you have established relationships with the way these characters look. But in this particular case, it's like, oh yeah, okay, this is this is clearly he's clearly alive. He's clearly. Uh, working behind the scenes uh, and because of that it was it was less of a surprise I feel like it was more the emotional story of Ryoma desperately hoping it wasn't him the entire time and you really felt that but the entire time you're like of course it's him you yeah idiot. I, I don't think they really hide that it's uh that it's Hanpeta for at least a couple of chapters, especially what are you talking about, they hide him perfectly. They put a basket on his head. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but, <laughs> that's my favorite the, part. I love yeah, the basket I, I, on his head. <laughs> that's right. They, they even have a word for a person that wears uh, that kind of basket. I, for, I forget what it was, but they mentioned it a few times in the chat. It translates into man it. who walks into walls. <laughs> but but like for a while, you definitely know it's Hanpeta, and Saito, uh, Saito is is clearly in denial. But um. I, I, I think that like from chapter one, because Hanpeta was played by Sawashiro, I was expecting him to betray us right when, when, uh, you know, it, it would have been less obvious if, uh, if it was someone else portraying him. 
Yeah, uh, I I knew I kind of knew already when when he didn't die in the first chapter, <laughs> like when it he was left conspicuously alive or something. I was like, okay, yeah, he's he's gonna turn. I don't know, or he's like he's up to something. I felt yeah, that way when uh, Saito got the news that uh, that. That 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 what's his name? I can't, that Hanpeta um uh committed suicide. I did not believe it for a second. Yeah, it was like you're not gonna you're gonna knock you're not gonna knock off this character played by this actor off screen. Although you in defense, like a dragon has killed off many characters off screen who are actual named big beloved characters. So you never know. Yeah, one of those characters was um oh shoot uh one of the minor antagonists in Yakuza Five who I thought who I thought might've been the final boss. It was a uh, Morinaga. Yeah. Uh, like when Morinaga even like um, challenges Kiryu, I'm like, Oh damn, Morinaga is going to be like one of the last bosses. He has to be, but then he ends up dying off screen and someone else is the final boss. And, but, but in this game, Morinaga plays a different, uh, one of the Yakuza, um, excuse me, one of the Shinsengumi captains named Matsubara and Matsubara has a dramatic death scene where he's killed by Inoue again. And uh, uh, and 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 Gen's murder murdered him because Matsubara was about to give away Gen's secret. Uh, but 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 after Matsubara was revealed as a spy for the Choshu, so like so basically Morinaga got a better death scene in in, in, uh, <laughs> in uh, Ishin than in his actual game Yakuza Five. The send off he deserved. Um, but going into the final chapter, uh, basically you get a scene that's sort of like we get in uh, in Yakuza. Um, I, I guess four, five, six, and seven, where the team squares off against the Millennium Tower, and we get a and we get a scene of the four, of the four uh, or or more than four in the case of Yakuza Seven um, heroes staring up at the tower, about to challenge it when they return to the Tosa Domain to take on Hanpeta. But this time, our four heroes, uh, using their Yakuza names and not their Ishin names, are Kiryu, Majima, Saijima, and Mine, which might be the best team of Yakuza badasses ever assembled. Yeah, that is a that is a formidable group. That is a a fearsome foursome. Uh, it was really cool to watch too. I I adored it. And then they uh, they take on a uh, a who's who of of Yakuza secondary antagonists, where you have uh, boss battles again using their Yakuza names against um, uh, Watase, uh, Kuze, and then Andre Richardson from Yakuza Three, who's the uh, who's the Scottish arms dealer Thomas Glover. Um, before they take on uh, Hanpeta slash Shibusawa, and and sort of one by one you duel them, and then one of your team is like, "I'll stand, I'll stay behind to hold them off," and then so you can go ahead, and very predictably, but but still in a way that like that I absolutely loved seeing play out. Uh, the final dungeon is great. There's a lot of great dialogue, great character moments. It feels awesome, like just just punching Kuze in the face for the first time uh since uh, <laughs> since since i punched him in the face many many times in yakuza zero uh in the and the fact that hijikata is the guy that stayed behind to take on ito when they had clearly been at each other's throats as the as the second and third commands of the uh, shinsengumi for this whole game felt appropriate um i i just loved it the, the final dungeon wasn't challenging or or terribly impressive but the duels and the character moments and the dialogue were so great and uh, and everything about um uh, uh, Ryoma's the real Ryoma's clash with the fake Ryoma or Saito's clash with Hanpeta towards the end was um was excellent. I thought that the final encounters in this game were set up beautifully. And I thought I, they were too. Yeah. And, and and I care a lot about 
you know, clashes of ideals, um, like boss battle face-offs in the Yakuza game. It's something I treasure about the Yakuza series, and this is an extremely good version of those. I agree. My only big problem with the end game is something that... Solosi, you have considerably more experience with Japanese media than I do, so you might be able to tell me if this is a thing there. Oh, that's a very polite way of calling me a weeaboo, but please continue. <laughs> um, the reveal of uh, Yodo as the uh, as the the mastermind, the final... Yakuza games do... T- not all of them, but a lot of them do tend to have this... The big antagonist isn't revealed until the very end of the game. There's no buildup. There's nothing. It's just like, here was the mastermind behind the whole thing, but you don't have a relationship with that character because you haven't really seen them up until that point. So the fact that by the end of it, uh, this character who has been pulling the strings this entire time is just suddenly revealed as the mastermind who turns out to be uh, Jingu from uh, Yakuza 1. It was sad. It was satisfying seeing that dude get his just desserts. Again. Okay, yes, it was satisfying yeah. seeing that dude get it in a way that he talk, we didn't get to, we yeah, didn't get to physically <laughs> see him get it in Yakuza 1. Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier that this uh, the final dungeons a who's who of Yakuza secondary antagonists. Uh, ending it with Jingu was, was poetic. I just wish that we had seen him for a little bit before or had built any kind of relationship with this particular character before he shows up. And this is a thing that happens in a lot of a lot of Yakuza games where it's the final antagonist is someone we don't really have a relationship with. That's, that's what, that's one thing I I particularly dislike about the final encounters in uh, Yakuza Kiwami one, who, who is Chingu and, uh, and, and four as well. Um, But uh, backing this up a little bit, like, like a, a sort of surprise, who the heck is this final boss? I usually call those final fantasy nine moments. But <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone knew what the hell Necron was before the last hour of Final Fantasy IX, then, then you are a much more observant person than I. But they, um, Yamauchi Yodo was a real historical figure and is mentioned in this game as the, uh, as the daimyo leading the Tosa domain. And um, in the part where sort of in, around the mid game where you have the second duel against Izo and you send Izo back to Tosa. Uh, which implies that that could lead to Han Peta's uh, uh, fall, and and it does lead to Han Peta's fall in the true history, uh, where where Yodo has him ex- has him commit suicide, and but but that's faked in this game, of course. Um, so it's mentioned that Yodo is the head of Tosa and was the person that got that uh, caused Han Peta to kill himself, but in this game is revealed to be a behind the scenes manipulator whose intention is not to maintain the Bakufu or to uh, reinstall the emperor, but to give away Japan to the British as a, uh, as part of the British empire, like, like an, like a second India for the, uh, uh, for, for great Britain, which I, I don't think was ever a plan of great Britain. They did. They, uh, they were very interested in opening up Japan to trade and, um, and, and, and possibly influence their politics a little bit to, so that they could have a more favorable relationship with Japan. But uh, like, Having um, the ultimate conflict be saving Japan from colonizers uh, was a, a, a surprisingly nationalist moment that is that uh, that I, I didn't mind. But but maybe is like if you know what the Empire of Japan accomplished following hmm. following the 1860s, it's a little bit less exciting. But um, yeah, yeah. But but like we're, we're not going to talk about that in great detail. But um, Yodo as a final antagonist. Or, um, you don't really have a fight against him. It, uh, all of Yodo's actions are done in cutscenes. Um, I, I think even a cutscene just showing Yodo talking to Han Peta hours earlier would have helped a little bit. I agree, it's a little too out of left field, but I have to admit, like seeing your your team of four Shinsengumi surround Yodo 
and and basically tell him off while he pleads for forgiveness and then cutting him down at the end was pretty satisfying. Yeah, having them kind of show up one by one as he's like trying to scamp, like try and like crawl away uh, from Ryoma was it was an extremely satisfying moment and it felt really good just watching it play out. Um, every single second, like every time he like tries to go in one direction or the other and somebody else shows up, um, <laughs> you really, you it's, it, it kind of plays into a power fantasy a little bit. Um, you know, Ryoma at that point is what shot like three or four times uh, and still kind of like making his way towards him. Um, just a really cool moment. And he just gives this, he just gives this whole, uh, it, it, like you said, it's a nationalistic speech essentially. Um, and it, and it, that made me a little uncomfortable, but at the same time I was so kind of caught up in the cutscene that, uh, I was just enjoying it thoroughly now, it, it, in the moment, because this is a struggle to save Japan from itself and from outsiders. I thought it was fine, but it, but if you if you think about it too much, it gets more it gets uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And I and I, and I didn't I didn't know this going in, but I, I looked up some information about the real Yamauchi Yodo uh, uh, afterwards. Um, he was the daimyo of the Toza domain, and after and Ryoma, who was from Toza, um, organized the 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 Satsucho alliance, um, and leading up to the Oshin War, the uh, uh, Toza supported Satsuma and Cho, and Choshu. Um, but but the real Yamuchi was a little bit torn in in helping the Bakufu versus helping the emperor, and was some but was sort of nudged into supporting uh, uh, Satsucho by the end, and uh, and event and eventually he stepped down as uh, as leader of of Toza. Then Toza was renamed the uh, the or re, uh, basically when the reforms occurred in the eighteen sixties and seventies, it was reformed into into Aichi Prefecture. And uh, and then Yamauchi returned to politics to be the first, or at least one of the first, governors of of his former domain that he ruled over. So he he seemed to be a, a fairly normal administrator <laughs> in Japanese history, uh, but but was made into a cartoon vil- uh, villain for for this game, um, portrayed by Jingu, one of the most hateable uh, characters in Yakuza history. Mm-hmm. But that goes into the ending cutscenes. Um, it's revealed. Uh, in a in sort of the post credits cutscene, uh, right after you kill Yamauchi, that uh, that Han Peta, who survives a gunshot wound, I suppose, um, just t- takes Yamauchi Yodo's identity. So the that um that generally pro- um, progressive, good administrator that we know from history was actually Han Peta in disguise. So Han Peta started out um, in this game, not the true history, being uh, leading a a um, progressive faction within Tosa to then um, being a pawn of of the Tosa um, daimyo to uh, like manipulating a lot of the politics of the Bakumatsu period to changing his identity to um, Ryoma Sakamoto, then changing his identity again to Yamauchi Yodo to, to be a, 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 at least a good administrator uh, in the future. And, uh, and in that cutscene is sort of a one-sided conversation between um between uh, uh, what's what's his name, Kagaro, uh, uh, the the Akiyama character, yeah, with a new identity again, yeah, who who becomes again a minister in the uh, in the new government, um, and and uh, and in truth, um, it was Satsuma and Cho- and Choshu were 
the two uh, factions that really that really won the war at the end of the Bakamatsu period, and a lot of the people in the uh, new Japanese government were dominated um, by people in Sats from Satsuma and Choshu. Uh, so, like him, him being a, a being a person from Japanese here history, and uh, it, within the new government uh, makes sense. Although I, I don't know enough about that part of Japanese history to know the uh, a, a more detailed context, but uh, like. And then after that cutscene, we get a cutscene with a uh, or with Oreo and uh, and um, and Nakauka, who who or at least I thought it was Nakauka, right? The 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 Date character. Uh, yes, yes, it was. Yeah, so it was it was Nakauka and um and not not Oreo uh, Otose, uh, uh with, with and Nakauka was writing a a uh, some kind of some kind of uh, publication about uh about Ryoma Sakamoto and uh, which I think was a real um a, a real historical document that uh, sort of tells the Ryoma Sakamoto story for future generations because again uh Ryoma Sakamoto was assassinated at the Omiya Inn in in the in the true history and and with a faked assassination in this game and then the and then there was a final cutscene with uh Oreo and uh the real Ryoma Sakamoto um, retiring into the into the sunset, traveling together. So they get they are uh, our, our game's central couple gets to retire. Um, but and I think there was a cutscene that was originally in twenty fourteen version, but was cut, um, showing a, uh, a, a a few Japanese people admiring a statue of Ryoma Sakamoto and his impact on the uh, on, on modern Japan. But I, I I I should have done more research. I think one of the actors in that scene passed away. Or, uh, or or similar, um, so they decided n not to recreate it, um, and it was it was from an actor within the Yakuza series. I, f I forget who exactly, but so there there was a, a scene, another post game post credit scene cut from this version uh, that that sort of added to the to the um, wrapping it up neatly within a bow. So uh, this ending, um, I thought it was really imp impressive. I, I it didn't bring tears to my eyes the way that uh, some Yakuza series endings do, but. I I I I really liked how they decided to wrap this one up. What do you all think? It was a happy ending, and you don't we all a lot of yakuza endings do tend to be a little bittersweet, but in this particular case, it wasn't. It was it was a very positive, happy ending. Yeah, like Celosi said, they they wrapped it up with a bow and put a mm -hmm. bow on it. You know, uh, it, they kind of like wrapped up a lot of loose ends. Um, I think it's hilarious that everybody isn't who they say they are, but. <laughs> Uh, like overall, the ending was great. Uh, I felt so good watching the credits on this one. Uh, I don't think I've felt that good. I mean, like I've always loved the ending, uh, uh endings of the Yakuza games, but like, uh, this one, I just kind of had like a, like a high going through the whole, uh, the, the, the credits after, after all the ending cutscenes. It was great. Yeah. Um, for me, I left the post-credit scenes out of my watch through just cause I, I wanted some, something, to, something to watch like yeah, something totally. new to watch at the end so yeah to look forward yeah, to I'm, I'm, I'm i'm sorry if i spoiled them for you it's oh bad. no it's okay no worries about it like i kind of knew what was happening because like i it was playing in the background while i was doing other things so i kind of could tell what was going on <laughs> it's okay but you guys are right i struggle to think of a of a of a like a dragon game ending that isn't bittersweet this, this might be the happiest ending in the entire series and and um, I mean, I guess Yakuza Two ends with a big smooch, and I always love a big smooch. It ends with a big smooch, but then it also ends with uh, yeah, with, with, with her uh, brother is dead. Yeah, and, her brother uh, is dead, and the and the one person in the in the Jingwan that sort of was on your side has passed away, and 
Yeah, there's a mm. lot of bad. There's a lot of downer parts of the Yakuza Two ending. <laughs> yeah, a a real man ought to be a little stupid. And that, <laughs> that is zero and, and I was glad to see that stupid man in uh, in Ishin. It was. <laughs> it, it felt like I was seeing all of my old friends again playing this game. It really was. It was. I I thought it was wonderful. Like a dragon ends on a happy note. Uh, yes, but there's also some bitter sweetness to that ending. I'm. Uh, yeah, that, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that one too much. I mean, that's one of the saddest Yakuza endings to me. Yeah, I agree. I forget how Zero ends. Zero ends with uh, the most homoerotic stare you've ever seen coming yeah. from Majima. That's true. <laughs> um, uh, Yakuza Zero does have a lovely ending. That, um, the, the, uh, but uh, but also it's with the. Um, oh yeah. It also it, it ends with uh, with uh, uh, Majima and and Makoto. Or M- Makoto never knowing who Majima is and everything he did for her, right, uh, right? And 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 Majima's whole change in personality in that game is complicated, and I think we talked about it a lot in those uh, in those 2020 episodes. And I could do an entire another episode just about that. I mean, it, you could, it's fairly easy. Head trauma's a bitch, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> frankly, Majima's had more than his share. So actually, you know what? Just in Yakuza 1, that baseball to the side of the head could actually explain his positive turn for the rest of the games. <laughs> yeah, and 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 and, and, and uh, Majima's character in this game has an unusual positive turn, because he really does feel like antagonist material until he has that emotional clash um, after he thinks that uh, that that Ryoma has killed Inoue again. I think I think it's Genzaburo. I've been calling him Gen this whole time because that's the only part of the name I remember. I'm sorry, um, but uh, yeah, like, like Majima has a bit of a turn in this game too. Is, is all I wanted to say. Yeah, and then he becomes a real ride or die. Yeah, he, he's your he's your bro in the last five chapters or so. Yeah, absolutely. He's... And is really embarrassed when you call him that too. <laughs> You're my brother. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, Kyodai. Gross. You're too close, Mom. But I, I, I have to. I think I said this before, but I have to admit that that uh, the, the this game's version of the millenni- of the Millennium Tower stare down, where it's Kiryu, Majima, Saijima, and Mine. What a what a quartet! Oh, I love that so much. But uh, but yeah, in, in in general, I think all four of us really love this game, and it's it's one of the it's one of those um strong ent- strongest entries in the Like a Dragon series in general. But I had one last question for you guys. Maybe you were expecting this a little bit. Um, it, I, I think part of what makes this game so fascinating is its choice as historical fiction. So I I want you to tell me another what's another part of world history or or maybe a a if you want to stay in the world of fiction a genre that you want explored in this way again like what's a game that you want a, a yakuza uh, sorry what's a setting either historical or fictional that you want yakuza characters to make a game out of uh i'll, I'll go first to let you guys think a little bit um and, and again we've gotten this a little bit uh already with uh sengoku period japan with uh with with um yakuza with excuse me with like a dragon kenzan which we may or may not ever get um but one period in, of history that i really love that I would like to see this would be uh, the Napoleonic Wars in 1800s France. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> because like if like, like Napoleon entering between seven and ten wars with the other nations of Europe in the 1800s and 1810s, while being uh, uh, the United States' greatest ally at this time, uh, I, I think we need a video game about that. And Assassin's Creed somehow never gave it to us, uh, but I, maybe it would be 
maybe it would be Yakuza's turn. And somehow Majima as Napoleon seems like the most incredible casting in, in historical fictional uh, settings I can possibly imagine. Yeah, I like that a lot. So does anyone else have an idea? It can be historical like uh, like Ishin or fictional like Dead Souls. I'm going to go for fictional and I I have a dream of a basically Yakuza by way of Mass Effect. I would oh, love to see. Oh, hell yeah. I would love to see a science fiction like future story starring these characters. Love everything about that. Yep. I mean, I know that Solosia, I think I made a joke about this on one of the prior podcasts where you would love to see a Power Rangers spinoff kind of thing. Of course I would. If four of the Rangers are that four that I mentioned, Majima, Saijima, Kirio, oh Mine, then I would I would faint from joy. Like that would be an amazing, that would be an amazing spinoff. You know, and you're all, it brings up a good point too, that Mass Effect just didn't have enough like slot car racing or chicken racing or <laughs> really missing from the Mass Effect series. You know, Mass Effect does have a lot of side activities, but not at the level of a Yakuza game. Right. Commander Shepard never really sits down with like an old lady or a kid to explain, express uh, their inherent value as a person to them. Yeah, you know, I I love Mass Effect dearly, which was I think communicated pretty clearly in our Mass Effect episodes from a, from several months ago. But if a future Mass Effect game takes notes from the Like a Dragon series, that would make me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I have a my favorite uh point in history. Um, it was all based around a single <laughs> hardcore history podcast. Um, about the uh, Anabaptist takeover of Munster, Germany. Huh. And um, I think I would love to see that because it's rife with characters and um, like a, a whole upending of this, of this one city. And I think that would translate really well to a Yakuza game. Uh, Yakuza primarily taking place just in Camarocho, you know, um, this uh, fairly mid-sized German city uh, right after kind of like the, uh, um, the advent of uh, Lutheranism and stuff like that. Um, I think it'd be really fun to experience that. Interesting. So, so, so Gio, what's your idea for a future uh, Yakuza, uh, like a dragon historical or fictional setting? Yeah. So actually I was, I'm pretty struck by how neatly uh, Japanese um, history during this period kind of mirrors a certain period in Philippine history. Like, uh, oh, tell me. Yeah. Um, actually it's like the, uh, the end of the Spanish period, in the Philippines, like uh, actually Ryoma Sakamoto is like a pretty good analog for this guy named Andres Bonifacio, like the the leader of like this revo- of the primary revolutionary group in the Philippines at the end, and it's like right on the cusp of like the Americans coming to the Philippines. So it's like it's a good analog for like the the British. So I feel like everyone would just fit really neatly into like these roles in in this period of Philippine history. And it, it and like right and like and um, Andres Bonifacio like. Sakamoto also dies at the end because of like uh, betrayal by his like fellow revolutionaries. So it's a really it would be a really cool story to tell. And so in your version of the story, does uh, does he die at the end, like in the true history, or are, is is there um, mistaken identity and conspiracy that has him survive and continue on? Oh uh, no, I think it would be more effective if he died at the end. <laughs> and, <laughs> I think it would be much better. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, going back into my Napoleonic Wars idea, I still love the ideas as, as, of Majima as Napoleon, but I came up with the right character for Kiryu. So um, uh, uh, forgive me if I'm giving you a, a brief lecture on the on the Napoleonic Wars. But um, one of Napoleon's best um, best um, commanders was this guy, Jean Bernadotte. And after uh, 
and and John Bernadotte uh, was um, one of Napoleon's marshals. He went, he did, did very well in, in battle, and then Napoleon rewarded him with a with with a uh, with, with a small sort of um, principality or dukedom or something um, uh, before he retired. But then um, the Swedish government was looking. Um, the the uh, king of Sweden did not have an heir. So they were looking at all the other monarchs of of Europe as to who could uh, take over as the heir to the Swed to the Swedish throne, and they actually because they went to Jean Bernadotte, Napoleon's former commander. I'm sorry, Napoleon's former uh, uh, underling, because he was technically a noble because he was given this this principality, and he would be. And they they thought that wait, if we adopt Jean Bernadotte into the Swedish royal family, maybe Napoleon won't attack us. So uh, and so they did so, and Jean Bern and Jean Bernadotte's descendants are to this day are the Swedish royal family, but and 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 eventually in the Napoleon's uh, the final coalition wars that uh, that ended up being the downfall of Napoleon because Napoleon did capture some Swedish territory that caused his former his former uh, his former underling to declare war on his former commander. Um, so like. So like Kiryu as Jean Bernadotte winning wars for Napoleon, then being granted uh, the uh, a be, being made prince of Sweden when the, the, the Swedish monarchy is in crisis and then having to take part in the sixth and seventh coalition wars to take down Napoleon. And that that feels for some reason that feels appropriate to me. It would, like it would it would have to either be Jean Bernadotte or uh, or uh, um or, or the or, or Arthur Wellesley, one of those would have to be the Kiryu character. But for some reason, I think it's 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 extra poetic if it's John Bernadotte. Did um didn't Napoleon get banished to like an island? He got banished to islands twice, right? Because he, he escaped the, once, right? <laughs> after the War of the Sixth Coalition, he was banished to Elba, which is an island in the Mediterranean. And but uh, but he still had contact with the French there, and and his former supporters freed him very easily from Elba. But when he returned to power, the entire rest of Europe immediately declared war on him again, and uh, he eventually um, uh, lost badly at his final defeat at Waterloo in Belgium. And then he was island he was exiled to Saint Helena, which is an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, like eight hundred miles off the course of, off the coast of Africa. Where uh, and where he was, he his island was surrounded by British patrol boats every day, so he could never escape. <laughs> they, they were really trying to get yeah. rid of Napoleon. I I kind of so, like the idea though of Majuma like playing pranks on the British, like stuck on this <laughs> island. He sort of does in this game. <laughs> yeah. In uh, in in the novel, uh, uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, um, near the beginning, um. Uh, they visit Napoleon on Elba and that, that sets off sort of the, the course of the whole story. See, all of you are like going on about like these brilliant historical things. And I'm just like, I want to see Majima as a Krogan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, be that as it may, if I'm going into the works of Alexandre Dumas fils, then it's definitely time to end the episode. Um, uh, thank you so much listeners for joining us on this um, meditation on like a dragon Ishin. I think this is, if you're interested in this kind of game, it is close to a must play. It's a, it's a good first Yakuza game or a good 10th Yakuza game, depending on your experience with the series. I, I, uh, I it's, it's a wholehearted recommendation for me. And I think that the panel, my panel would basically agree. Uh, and, and speaking of the panel, thank you so much, Gio, Nick and Jono for joining me on this, on this episode. It was great talking to you guys about this game that has been my primary fixation slash, slash obsession for about three weeks. Absolute pleasure. This game was a delight, and talking to uh, you gentlemen was also a delight. Yeah, yeah, the game was incredible, and uh, the discussion was great, too. 
thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, if anything, this discussion just made me want to play the game even more. Uh, I, I love the talking about it with you guys. And yeah, I, I feel smarter for having talked about it with you guys too. Yeah, we, did, we didn't even get into like why Han Peta did everything he did, how he had this resentment for um, for, for, for Toyo wanting to leave the, uh, uh, the, the party to Ryoma. And oh, man, there's so much there's so much in this game that uh, we could do an entire another episode on it. But uh, unfortunately, we're not going to do that. Um, listeners, uh, maybe you've heard us mention this on uh, in other places. Um, next week's episode is going to be about Persona 4 Golden. We have a special guest for that episode at, with uh, a few RPG fan people and one special guest talking all about uh, Persona 4, especially in the context of its recent re-release on multiple platforms. Uh, I, I think it was right at the beginning of like like end of 2022 uh beginning of 2023 is when all that happened but also in april we have an episode all about fan translations coming very soon and two episodes on lost odyssey that uh xbox 360 game that unfortunately might be um hard to find on other platforms but i i know that the people on that episode are really excited to talk about lost odyssey that's become a bit of a cult favorite over the years but uh we are in a position that we have started planning out in May, we're doing two episodes on Mega Man Battle Network. Uh, that game is getting a re-release in the Mega Battle Network collection in April, so I can say for certain that's how I'm going to be playing the game, and hopefully uh, in, in time to discuss it in May with a couple other RPG fan fine folks. So if you have questions about uh, Like a Dragon Yashin or Lost Odyssey or Mega Man Battle Network or your favorite fan translation products, products projects the best way to um reach out to us is to email retro at rpgfan.com you can also find rpg fan on facebook twitter instagram discord youtube twitch always called either rpg fan or rpg fan com on each of those places rpg fan also has a uh, new online store if you go to rpgfan.com slash shop you can find our store hosted by t public which has rpg fan apparel and coffee mugs and keychains and a ver- and a variety of other things Please support RPG Fan, however you choose to support us. Oh, another great way to support us is by listening to our other podcasts. Every two weeks, we have Random Encounter about uh, randomness. And every other other two weeks, we have Rhythm Encounter about RPG music. Um, all four of us have appeared on those on those shows, especially you, Jono, because you're, um, you're the host of Random Encounter. I am the host of Random Encounter. Yeah, we've had some fun episodes the last few weeks. We had one on uh, Final Fantasy, um, the, the DLC for Power Washer. A power wash simulator we talked about uh, theater rhythm for a while um yeah it's it's we've had some good episodes and we have one coming up i think by next week we're going to be talking about the best rpgs uh f- that parents can like play with their kids yeah it's based on a feature it's based on a feature that was on the site a few weeks ago got it so um, it's possible that episode's already out by now or it might have to wait another week but it, it's um that is either available or coming soon uh, but uh, listeners, if you um, the best uh, if if you enjoy RPG fans podcasts, whether it's Random Encounter, Retro Encounter, or Rhythm Encounter, uh, we would love it if you were to review um all any or all of those on Apple Cup Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or however you listen to us. I think our largest audience is Spotify, which is a little surprising to me as a, as a not user of Spotify. But it, it's um. Uh, there's quite a few people on Spotify, but we love any feedback you're willing to provide. If you want to provide us feedback as individuals and not as a podcast, uh, let's tell the listeners how they can reach us, the panelists, via our own social media, starting with you, Nick. Uh, You can reach out to me on Twitter, at NickManWrites. Otherwise, I just write on RPG Fan. Now you, Gio. You can find me on Discord. I'm Gio on the RPG Fan Discord server. And you can also email me at geo at rpgfan.com 
And it's spelled G-I-O, not like the car, G-E-O. So yeah, yeah G-O on <laughs> RPG Fans Discord. Now, uh, same question to you, Jono. You can email me at jlogan at rpgfan.com or you can find me on Mastodon at Logan at mastodon.social. And listeners, maybe you've heard me say this many times before, but I am most easily found on Twitter. I am at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times. In an RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. So, hmm, was Like a Dragon Ishin about this turbulent times in, uh, in Japanese history and betrayal and identity and and uh and interhuman conflict or was it just about the friends we made along the way well, i think it was about the friends made so many friends why can't it be both you know i'm just glad to see mine as a good guy for once and for him to survive the end of a game he's in mine had so much potential <laughs> he really did I, I hope they do more games like this just so we can get more work for like mine and Goda's actors but listeners thank you good night and good luck mm-hmm.